we are uh, very excited to have you with us on uh, this Christmas Eve uh, to celebrate uh, with the body of Christ the birth of the very same. Uh, we, we, uh, we know that uh, it is cold outside. Thankfully, it actually feels kind of like Christmas, doesn't it? It is, it is great to be here and it's great to see so many new faces, so many familiar faces. We remember you from last Christmas. Thanks for coming back. And uh, the good news is, if you were here last Christmas um, and not since then, guess what? We're still in the book of Matthew. <laughs> not, every, uh, not every church takes a two-year journey um, through the book of Matthew that we do. Um, and David asked me um, this earlier this week or last week or something. He said, Well, surely you're going to jump to like Matthew, you know, jump back into Matthew to hit the Christmas story. But say, Matthew, wait, (laughs) have you just met me, David? Of course not. God said, go through Matthew. And when we hit the end, we'll stop. Um, But until then, we are in Matthew 22 and we're going to talk about taxes tonight. Way to go. Yay, Christmas. So I, I've been trying to think all day long. I, I've been really kind of struggling with because, you know, let's face it. We know why some of you people show up on Christmas. It's to hear the Christmas story. Um, it's great. It's wonderful. It's, it's powerful. It, it's, it's beautiful. And, um, and it is a great story. Um, and, and so I'm trying to figure out how do I, I don't remember what, where we were in Matthew last year. Um, we were like Matthew, I don't know, 10 or something. That'd be great. Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, good Christmas stuff. Um, but, you know, how, how we tied that in. And then Easter, we didn't very, we didn't take off from the course. And so I knew, I'm like, God, come on, man. You told us to go through Matthew and to not deviate from that. Except for once when Daryl, who's bigger than me, got up and got to go ahead because he's six foot six, whatever. But we're back on track with where we're going in Matthew. And so how do we, how do we fold in the scripture that we have for today and, and maybe Christmas. And so I, I really struggle with it. And, and I think um, as I'm sitting, I was watching this old movie um, today as I was trying to prepare as one of those black and white movies that, that Jenna hates and um, that I think are so great. And I, and I was just kind of passively watching it. And it, and it just kind of kind of came to me. Um, so I'm going to start in Luke chapter two, actually. Stace, I didn't tell you this. Surprise. Merry Christmas. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the village inn. Now, this is the beginning of greatness. This is the beginning of a life that would change the world. This is the beginning of the life of the king of kings. Someone who would conquer death. Someone who would, um, would conquer death, not just for himself, but for all of us. Someone who's gave, who gave his life so that we may have ours. But what a common beginning. What, what a, um, an ordinary Christmas, if you will, to still the title of Daryl's CD. What an ordinary 
birth for a great man, for God. You know, it says that he was laid in a manger. And, you know, we have this, um, this, I don't know, Western kind of sense and picture of what a manger is and what the stable was. And this picture of um, hay and this beautiful barn. Because, you know, they go around and people are like, oh, we're really sorry. Um, you should have called ahead. We've had reservations for months now because of the census thing. Sorry. Um, so there's no room for you anywhere. Um, Joseph, being from David, would have had family um, in that area. So he was knocking on family's doors. Um, hey, cousin, can I sleep on your couch with my obviously pregnant wife? Can we stay here? And everybody turned them away. And so we've pictured this beautiful little barn um, with this pretty hay and these sheep and these donkeys and these cows. How do I know there were cows? Because my son goes to the day school here and in their pageant, there are a group of cows. Um, and in the song, the cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes. Um, you know, there, there weren't cows. All right. But, uh, you know, you have this picture that we've we've set up for ourselves and this wooden manger. And even that really cool um, video that's playing behind the song, um, you know, even there they have this like Corbin goes, hey, it's the manger. He picks it out. You know, this like box where the baby would have been laid so cleanly. You know, the manger would have most likely been stone carved out. The stable would have been a cave that they dug into the side of the hill. It would have been filthy. It would have smelled horrible. Anybody ever spend time around animals and where animals like sleep and poop and stuff? Yeah, they're animals. You know, (laughs) they're animals, you know? Yeah, it wasn't a pretty sight. And here is this baby placed in this very humble spot, the most humble of beginnings for the king of kings. Talk about putting a face really on a life. Talk about making a statement to the beginning of something great. So let's go to Matthew 22, where we are. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees met together to think of a way to trap Jesus into saying something for which they could accuse him. They decided to send some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to ask him this question. Teacher, we know how honest you are. You teach about the way of God, regardless of the consequences. You're impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to the Roman government or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Whom are you trying to fool with your trick questions? Here, show me, what the, show me the Roman coin used for the tax. When they handed him the coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, give to Caesar what belongs to him, but everything that belongs to God must be given to God. His reply amazed them, and they went away. Now, a couple of significant things that were going on here at this time. The first, when it opens up, it says the Pharisees and um, the Herodians... Gathered together. The Pharisees and the Herodians. They would have hated each other. These are two different sects of the Jewish people. The Pharisees were the very orthodox who said the only way you get to God is by following each one of the 140, 130, whatever it was, number of laws. Very literal. Very by the book. It was not about um, faith. It was about what you did. The Herodians... They were, as the name implies, in bed with King Herod. 
they got power from him. They liked the way the system was set up. Therefore, they were not willing to buck the Roman system. Anytime someone came in, some Messiah figure came in, because a lot of them came through. Anytime one of those people came through and began to cause trouble, the Herodians would pounce on them and go, no, we do not want things to move. However, they were not friendly towards one another. So the fact that they come together means that there was something significant going on in the ministry and in the life of Jesus. The fact that they come together is amazing. But they come together and they ask him a question to trick him. And that is one of, the, the, one of Jesus' famous statements. Give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. But how does he get there? He looks at the coin, right? He's like, hey, give me one of the coins. What's on the coin? Who's on the coin? Caesar. What is stamped on this thing? It's Caesar. Hi, Grace. (laughs) So give it to him. And I started thinking about this, and and I started thinking, okay... During the time of Christmas, we, we all have this um, sense of um, kind of uh, separate lives that happen. We have this sense of celebrating. We want to celebrate the birth of Christ. And um, Jenna and I have tried to do this Advent calendar where each um, and every day we, we pull out um, a little slip of paper. And it says either write a, a note, this was Jenna's idea, write a note of encouragement to so-and-so, or let's pray for so-and-so, or let's call and tell them that we love them. And so our whole point is to say, hey, and, and maybe there's one M&M in there for each kid, you know. Our point is to tell them, you know, it's not about what you get around this time of year. It's about what you give, because it was about what Jesus Christ gave, his life. We're celebrating the fact that he gave everything. So that we could have. And, and so we, we've tried to, you know, to get on this mindset that it's not about you. But there are some people in this name who shall remain nameless but are four and a half years old and who live in our home. Who have also found the great materialistic fun S-A-N-T-A side of things. And that's exciting. It's exciting to see the presence begin to appear under the tree. It's exciting when you know what your name says to see your name on a present. It's exciting to see these things. Even at age 37, I see two Michael and I'm like, woohoo, I wonder what that is. You know, we all do, right? It is fun to get gifts sometimes. And, and so there's this materialistic side that creeps in ever so slowly. But yet if you look out at the rest of the world, that's all there is. All across the world today, people are celebrating Christmas. Everywhere, in some countries more than others. People are celebrating Christmas who believe nothing about Jesus. It has become, in a lot of places, a secular holiday. Now we can get into the the theology and say it was a secular holiday to begin with, but... There are places everywhere where it's about this materialistic pursuit. You turn the TV on for the past two months and you see that. And I really started thinking about what image our celebration of Christmas was portraying. What was stamped on it, if you will. It is 
our Christmas stamped with the face of Christ? Is our celebration of this night and of tomorrow, is it stamped with the face of Christ or with the face of Caesar? What is it that marks me? You know, that's the next step is, okay, uh, what am I stamped with? Who do I belong to? Am I stamped with the face of Christ following him so that when people see me, they know, they know that there's something different. And it's not because of me, it's because of him. Or am I just like everybody else? Any normal guy who worships something different, whatever it is. I think we have this opportunity, this, this moment when we celebrate the birth of Christ, our Savior. To look at ourselves and say, what do we believe? And, and look, I, I know that the, the typical Christmas sermon is never anything I actually have ever delivered. Um, so, uh, it's just not how I roll, but... Um, one of the things I, I really think, this, this movie that I was watching today is, I have no idea what the name of the movie was, but it was this guy who was a multi, he was a gazillionaire. In the movie, he was the second richest man in the world. Um, but he came back to his home as a beggar. And he lived in this home with people who had no idea who he was as a beggar. And he was treated um, with such graciousness. And treated with, uh, with such love. And care. And it wasn't because he was the second richest man in the world. It was because he was a man. And I, and I started thinking about that. And when Jesus talks about, okay, give to God what is God's. I'm God's. From the moment that he conceived of me. And he goes, oh, I'm going to make this guy. And I want him to do great things for me. And he's going to fail so miserably so many times. And it's going to be funny to watch it happen. I just think God has that way with me. But we're going to lift him back up and he's going to move on. But I belong to him. I want stamped on my body, my heart, my soul, my face, everything about me to be the face of Christ, to be the cross. On this night when we celebrate the birth of Christ, are we truly worshiping him? Or are we here checking off the box for another year? And yeah, that's an offensive statement to some. But the cross is offensive. And it's glorious. And it's glorious to know the manger. And it's glorious to know the tomb. And it's glorious to know the fact that the tomb is empty. You see, Christmas is the same celebration that Easter is, isn't it? It's a celebration that God came into this world, He paid for our sins. He died and was resurrected and promised one day to come back and to bring us to be with him. 
He promised one day to come back and to bring reconciliation and redemption to this world. That there will be a time when there is no hunger. That there will be a time when there is no pain, when there is no sickness, when there is no death, when there are no wars, when there is no thirst. That could be a time for you to say, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus, watching your developmental video. Come on now. That's a pretty cool message. And maybe you're tired and maybe you've had too much nog. Maybe you're thinking about the nog to come. And hoping that I will wrap it up. (laughs) Who was that? Was that you? Uh, these are my people. <laughs> Regular people are going, all right, Crocker, wrap it up. But maybe it is a time when we begin to celebrate that and we begin to get out of our just kind of, you know, let's feel the nog. Let's feel the merry. Be merry. This is a time to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate the birth. You don't walk around at the birth of a child and it's just this glorious thing. And you're like... Wow, that's, that's a pretty baby. Cool. All right now, see y'all later. I mean, if you want, I can make it personal. Uh, four days ago, you might notice that we have a person missing from our worship team. That's right. Four days ago, Miss Olivia Joffe was born. August had her baby. John and John, Daddy John is back there. Hey, John, you got a picture for us, John? He's like, yep, a thousand. Hold on just a second. Let me run up front with my iPad. <laughs> she is gorgeous. She is this beautiful little child that looks nothing like her father. Praise Jesus. And, <laughs> and Daryl and I went to the hospital to, to see her. And I, and I just, you know, it's a joyous time. You walk in and it's just, you know, August is in the bed and she has little Olivia and she's just this precious little thing. And she's like, looks to both Daryl and I, do you want to hold her? And like, just in harmony on cue, we're like, no, <laughs> <You know>? no, <laughs> but she looks good on you, you know, but it's, it's this joyous celebration. We don't go in there and go, you know, cause to be quite honest, she broke her collarbone in birth. So the sweet little Olivia has this little bitty collarbone and it's broken. You know, and so her right arm is pinned to her chest. And so there are these moments of like, oh, no, you know, but it's still a joyous thing. It's still this joyous thing. Um, six years ago, uh, on that very day, our daughter was born. And we went from um, an elevated high to an immediate downward spiral low and just into a world of hurt and pain. And it was six years ago today that we brought her home from um, the ICU. And I came and I preached that night. If you were here, it was ugly. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was bad. But I felt like I had to come. You know, it, it was six years ago today that we brought her home, and it was a world of hurt and just questions. Our first child, what is going on? But it was a joyous occasion because God created something beautiful in grace and Olivia, and especially in baby Jesus. God created something that would bring redemption to the world. 
that would bring his grace, his peace, his mercy. That's why we all come here. That's why some, that's why my shirt's tucked in. That's why many of us come and put on our Christmas Eve best. We come to celebrate, not to sit and yawn. Jeff Anderson, I've seen you yawn like five times, dude. You're my brother-in-law. Knock it off. It is time that we come together and to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So, turn to somebody and say, Merry Christmas. I mean, it's not like we're in the sanctuary, people. Y'all going to come up anytime soon? I've been waiting on you. I, I've been like, kind of give me the... This is the night when we get to, you know, the ironic thing is they're coming up here and I'm firing up and we're going into silent night, you know, and that's just like, um, (laughs) candles out. Uh, No, but you know, this is the time when we get to celebrate the birth and it is a joyous occasion. And what I want for my family, what I want for me and Jenna and our kids is to know that marked on us is nothing of this materialistic pursuit of Christmas. It has nothing to do with the tree. Because let's be honest, in the manger scene, there's not a Christmas tree. It has nothing to do with the lights on our house that look excellent, by the way. It has nothing to do with the part. It has nothing to do with any of that. What it has to do with is the fact that God gave up his Godship and came to earth so that we might have life. That is something to celebrate. That is something to tell people about. That is something to grab a candle and to stand and to sing at the top of your lungs, silent night. As you do that, and Terry comes forward, if you would, please bow your heads and pray with me.